Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi guys, this is Jake Parker back on the Beyond Fit podcast. My guest today is Anders Varnar. He is the host of the podcast uh, Barbell Shrugged, and I've been listening to the podcast for about six months. I was just telling him I like the way that they kind of mix in the lifestyle, different focuses of well-being, uh, but also like me, focused on on fitness, a lot of lifting type advice. And Anders and I, before I started recording, we're talking a little bit about his backstory, but that was one of the first questions I had for him was just your initial entry into the whole fitness realm. CrossFit was when it became serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I shouldn't even say serious. It was always pretty serious. I just had different mm-hmm. goals. Like being being the fittest didn't really um, – was never a thing. It didn't exist until CrossFit came around. Um, but I always lifted weights from 13 through today. So 20 – geez, 24 years now of – um, uh, pretty in, not to intense is a weird word, but very focused training. Um, the CrossFit came, uh, probably like eight to 10 years into it. So 13, I found CrossFit relatively soon after graduating college. Um, did the lifting, did the lifting kind of start as like more so a physique and like appearance sort of thing or was it more just like you wanted to get strong and more fit for for hockey because you mentioned that that was a big part of your teenage years yeah it was really about survival Mm -hmm. um i i left home at 14 and i was a very late bloomer when it came to just puberty in general and building muscle like that that it took a took it still takes a long time but it took a long time I mm-hmm. wasn't I wasn't the kid that hit puberty at 13 years old and was like shaving as a freshman in college or in high school mm-hmm. um, so I found a barbell because it was like one I'm not gonna make the team and I still I didn't I left home um, I went to go I had never been cut from a team in my entire life until I showed up to high school and there was just monsters that I was playing against and hockey's not like a Hockey's not like a sport that you want to be the small person in because mm-hmm. you just get destroyed all the time. Like, uh, it's it's not pleasant. It, it's super fun, obviously, but it 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 hurts a lot more when you're the small person mm-hmm. getting run over all the time. So I had to get bigger and stronger, faster, and uh, that's when I started lifting. Luckily, my dad had a really uh, pretty extensive. Uh, weightlifting background. He trained pretty hard. Um, he taught me how to squat. He taught me how to deadlift. And then, you know, as much as like physique training kind of got bastardized as far as like when CrossFit came around and there was this like, they had a, they had the common enemy of getting rid of bicep curls. Like a lot of the stuff that I was doing is basically what I do right now. Just mm-hmm. slightly different, you know, squats, deads. I don't really bench press now, but, um, bench the big the big three lifts mm-hmm. i didn't really do any clean snatches anything like that just because i don't think a lot of that information was around at the time um especially not as popular as it is now um and then accessory movements so like it was just about getting strong like i did lunges mm-hmm. around tracks and um you know i i worked really really hard and i needed to get strong uh to play sports when I got to college um kind of fell off a little bit just because that's not like I stopped working out it just uh there's like a a new level of like insecurities I wasn't playing sports so why was I working out and then you know I never really like got into like the physique side of things I always liked playing sports like Mm -hmm. enjoy playing games Mm -hmm. like it's fun I want to be good at stuff I enjoy competing um so then my my roommate that a kid moved into our house named brian um i, I actually i so i got and what, what really was like the the turning point you know high school was one one reason but one of the biggest turning points was really like i got an internship in dc my junior year my the summer after my junior year in between junior and senior year and, and what college you're at maybe i missed it james madison oh, okay um 
when you get an internship in Washington, D.C., there's kind of like the, the, the most common path is like the whole place just turns into happy hour. Like mm-hmm. between all the people that go to the Hill to do the politics stuff, um, all of the government contractors that are around there, like there's interns everywhere and you can um, get wrapped up into the happy hour scene. And I just didn't mm-hmm. really want that. I didn't really want to be, you know, at school partying and then my whole summer be partying. I wanted just to like get healthy and like mm-hmm. feel good about life. So I started going to the gym by myself and not just like I was doing before, which was just kind of lackadaisical, but I like really went to go get strong and get results. I knew what to do from my high school training. So it was like, it was a very conscious, self-motivated uh, move to not go party, but spend my entire summer getting strong. Mm-hmm. And that was like the, that was a really big turning point uh, because then I got back to college we had a new kid named brian move into my apartment and he was super dialed in uh we became training partners so i had like a i had like a buddy to go train with so i wasn't doing it on my own um and he was actually the first person the person that i opened the gym with in san diego uh in 2010 so we stayed training partners we stayed best friends we we opened the gym together and then that really turned into um everything that was like the six years of owning the gym and uh, had a great time. It was phenomenal. It was Mm -hmm. like CrossFit, CrossFit really came in and allowed me to be an athlete again when the only things that were available was like triathlons. Um, Like the whole like small sport thing really launched like I could have gotten wrapped up in the OCR stuff, CrossFit. Um, but like, what, is, the what do you tri- mean, small sport? Well, like the fringe sport. So, like, you have your big four. You've got baseball, hockey, football, mm-hmm. um, basketball. And then underneath that, there's like not the big four, but massive sports all in their own. Like, CrossFit was coming up. Um, Spartan racing was like a, a huge thing. Um, but CrossFit fit me really well. Mm-hmm. just because I guess MMA even at that time kind of fit in there of it, it, UFC was like just becoming popular, but it wasn't, it wasn't what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just these like smaller groups of people that were competing in their sports. And because the internet was coming around, it was able to bring everybody together and CrossFit just swallowed me up. I was already super, I was already eight, ish years into strength conditioning uh had i was already um stronger than most people Mm -hmm. um that i knew that were my age um i was training in a gold's gym but i was like every day my friends and i would just go and battle every single day there was no training methodology about it it was every day we're just going hard and um so was there ever was there ever a lull? You kind of talked about the period between finding CrossFit and like having the high school sports sort of focus. Did you kind of feel like lost without a goal for a while? Or was it always, you were always getting a few days of training in a week at least? Even um, intense focus? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that I like went running or I would mm-hmm. lift like one or two days a week. But I mean, so I played ice hockey from the time I was three years old until I was 18. So everything I did was about being an athlete. And then all of a sudden, like one day I wasn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, I enjoyed working out. I enjoyed doing it, but it's also, you just, you're kind of like meandering versus. Yeah. It's kind of like a loss of identity almost. Yeah. So reinventing that when it's so much easier, your freshman and sophomore year of college to just like, hang out with your friends in your dorm and, and party. And like, there was no like super, it it wasn't like a real motivation. It was just kind of like, I'm supposed to be in here. Mm -hmm. This is, this is healthy. I'm doing, going through the motions, but I'm not really doing anything. Um, it it wasn't until that summer when I got the internship in DC that I, I really turned the corner of like recreating the identity of like, I just don't want to, I, I don't want to go out and do the party thing. I don't want to be part of that scene at all. I just wanted to really focus on myself and be healthy. And that was when I joined, like I never really had to like join a gym. I guess my, my dad always bought the 
gym membership and all that. But I, I like went out and actually spent my own money going to a gold's gym and, and really started caring about my training. Um, that, that was like, yeah, there was like a, a two year, like lull, but I wouldn't even call it a lull as much as just like unfocused, yeah. um, which has been of, of the 24 years I've been doing this, like probably the only dead time. Yeah. Um, I, and I now feel like it's, that's, I feel like you probably see so many ways where that's advantageous in, you know, that people, that other people don't even realize, like you always, you know, are, are having some sort of physical activity that helps like, you know, your mentality, like your mental health, you're always getting just because I feel like there's so many ways, as you know, that it extends beyond the gym. And it probably is really good for so many different areas of your life that you've always had that yeah. constant because once you're able to do it, I'm sure like all the people that you talk to, you realize that it's one of those things that literally can become as ingrained as like showering and brushing your teeth. It's just one of those things you do on a constant basis. Yeah. It just becomes a part of you. Yeah, I go nuts if I can't do it. And I have to like find ways. I mean, I just went on a, I wouldn't even call it a vacation, a uh, family trip slash month long. We, my whole family moved up to New Hampshire to hang out with my in-laws during quarantine. And it was like, there's no gyms open. There's no weights at their house. So you find yourself just outside running hills. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you definitely like get it. Uh, that that feeling of pushing yourself becomes very important to mm-hmm. your physical just being and, and feeling alive and healthy. Yeah, that's probably how a lot of people have felt too. You know, it's like you get sick of doing push-ups and if you're lucky, maybe you have a little totally. bit of equipment, maybe pull-ups, maybe a few dumbbells and whatever. But most people are just so limited, it becomes so monotonous and you don't have that drive, you know, after a few months of not being able to go to the gym. Yeah, I feel, I mean, you're in Omaha, Nebraska, so you yeah. don't really have any hills. I've actually, no. my dad's from mm-hmm. Omaha. Uh, he went to Omaha North, which is kind of a scary place. But mm-hmm. um, the, um, yeah, I, I, I've always been able to find a hill that looks scary and to go climb it. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the, the sweets, the sweet sauce of, um, all of this, if, if you can find a hill or you can find a patch of grass, mm-hmm. like you can always go and do burpees. Um, like, and a, a lot of people are being challenged right now. I, I would love to see the numbers on um, the amount, the number of people that, how much weight has been put on, mm-hmm. on average per person in this country since five months ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you could I look at numbers. it as like, there's more time to get out and do walks and ride bikes and stuff like that. But I don't think that the majority of people are looking at it that way. They're probably taking the time to watch more Netflix and eat more junk food and stuff like that. Unfortunately. Yeah. I think that, um, a lot of people, you know, it's a, it's a real test of will in that, uh, a lot of people start very strong and they're very motivated, but willpower is a, a, a tricky beast, right? Like, more willpower you express the harder it is to keep going like you can only say Mm -hmm. no to the cookie like 10 times before Mm -hmm. on the 11th you're like fine i'll have a little bite so like how many days are you uh, gonna do burpees in your front yard or in your apartment before it's like i just don't want to do them today like i did them yesterday and the day before and the day before i'm just tired of doing burpees in my in my living room before you've done nothing for two weeks yeah and now kind of these like bad behavior patterns right and it reminds me of just the importance of when you talk about just having your routine if i work out i do something every day just like i know you have your 100 reps before six o'clock the diesel dad like something like that where it just gets ingrained i do something every day and it becomes you need to make it like i said before where it becomes a part of you just like any other practice of upkeeping your well-being because that's really what I think takes you through the tough times. And even if it's shitty and it's not the best workout, I think that having that ingrained routine is what, because then you, then you get away from like, I mean, kind of like all these books, like atomic habits by James clear. It's like, just, you have to do things that organize your life in a way where you're not always using that willpower. And it reminds me of, I really like that episode on social media that you guys had. Um, where you kind of talked about the willpower and how that has to do with social media and how, you know, you just have to, I mean, like one of the things that 
messages that resonated with me was just trying to make more barrier to entry. So like for me, I know that I can spend too much time on social media, but I do things like I log out of it. I try to limit it to certain times just where it becomes not a choice of whether I get on or not. But it's like I just have these ingrained habits to try to use it less. So just one example. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like social media isn't like really that fun for me. Like I'll go in patches where it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see me probably. I I view my like social media, like for many people um, on the business side, social media is no, no different than uh, like having an email list. Mm-hmm. Like if you're writing a daily article to your email list, that's that's like – where where your time and energy needs to be spent if you pick that specific um, medium to connect with your people that's what it is if you want to grow a giant social media following you need to do what people that have giant social media followings do if you want to grow a giant email list you need to grow giant email lists in the way that people grow email lists if you want to grow a youtube following you need to create a vlog and develop a personality mm-hmm. um there's, there's like, um, you know, we, 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 we like to put social media into, uh, this like very special category and it's very, very, very addicting that I'm not trying to downplay the addictive. I, I just, social media is tricky because it seems like it's really important, but I think that more people should find the outlet to connect with people that most resonates with them you know if I was 27 28 years old and I was still living at the beach and didn't have a family and like enjoy some privacy um I probably would be a lot better at like popping my phone on and talking into it and like putting on a show for an audience it's mm-hmm. just the older I get the more I I value especially in this quarantine situation. Like I really value my family. I really enjoy spending time with my daughter. Um, and, and when I'm on my phone looking at what other people are doing, it's the exact opposite of what I feel good doing, which is being present and being aware of like the people that are actually important to me. So social media doesn't really like fit my life. But when you see somebody that's got, you know, what, what's better, better, same or worse, somebody that's got 200,000 people on a, on an email list or someone that's Mm -hmm. got 200,000 people on social media. They're about, it's basically the same, right? Like, I, I, I think the thing with like followers and stuff is I try not to, but it's so easy to get caught up in like, that's someone. Oh yeah. So it's like, Oh, this person must know a lot. They have a hundred thousand followers, whereas opposed to this person has a thousand, but that doesn't necessarily say anything about the type of information they know or it might say something about the the ability to communicate, but it could just mean that, you know, they're a hot girl that they get a bunch of followers for that reason or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think that that also is like, if I have an email list that I write to three days a week and I'm flooding it with great content, um, you only see one email, Mm -hmm. the email that I write to you. You don't see that it went to X number of people. Right. And if I write, one Instagram post and then you go to my profile and says like, well, Anders has 200,000 people, which I don't, I think I have like almost 16, 16, eight, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that number's crazy to me, but then you see people like quarter million, a million people. You're like, Oh my gosh. But that number's like right there in front of everyone's face to see, to provide value, to say I'm valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really hate on any of it. I think everybody's got their, their outlet. Some people are better at it. Some people are worse at it. Um, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of like what comes to me and the people that I see that are very successful on social media, um, they're typically younger. Mm-hmm. Um, they're typically not with their family. Um, it, it, it fits their lifestyle very well to be able right. to, um, you know, they're, they're living by themselves. So it's, they're not, they're not offending anybody by like walking mm-hmm. around and waving their phone in their face. We're mm-hmm. like, I just, 
uh, I just don't, it just doesn't fit me. It, yeah. I, it feels, it feels not, not great when I do yeah. it. So I, I just try to stick to the things that make me feel good that I feel like I'm providing value. Um, you know, yep. we probably do take a, take a, a financial hit as a company because neither like Doug's got three kids. Mm-hmm. I've got one and we both talk about how much it just doesn't serve us to be on mm-hmm. our phones, staring at Instagram when we should be spending it with our families. Yeah. I mean, that part's always seemed kind of goofy to me. And like, I think it's partly my nature is more introverted than extroverted, but I just, I never liked the walking around with the phone in your face talking. I mean, it's part of it's So yeah. narcissistic, which yeah, there is a side to that where it's like you're helping inform people. But I think that when you talk about being present, you know, my focus with Instagram, it's never been like my number one priority, but I do think that there's a lot of area for me to provide value. So recently I've been trying to post more. It's like what I do for workouts, what I do for eating, because like my biggest focus is like the physique aesthetic, because I struggled with that for a long time and kind of figured it out. So my goal is kind of to show people how that works, but it just, sometimes I just want to you know, eat for a day and do my workouts for a day and just, just be present in that and not think about posting it on social media, because no matter what you say, I think there's always some narcissistic uh, narcissism in it because it's like, Oh, you know, I can't wait to see how many people look at this and are impressed or get, get, you know, get help from this. So it's just like, I feel like you have to take a break at least from time to time. Like the way that you said that, well, I was just thinking like you said that it was, uh, it was not that fun to you. And I, I go back and forth. Like, I think that the comparison I would make is it's kind of like eating, you know, like eating a piece of cake or like some sweets dessert. I love that kind of stuff. And I do it sometimes because I think there is some value in the psychological reward. But yeah. in the same way, like you can't abuse social media. You can't just have that cake all the time, the instant gratification. But I think there definitely is some use in the value that you get from it. And then in addition to that, you really can provide some value to people. I've gotten tons of value Absolutely. from Instagram posts and people that I met through Instagram. So I think the, the big thing is just being intentional about how you use it. Absolutely. And that's probably not just a lesson for Instagram. It's a lesson for everything you do is that mm-hmm. being focused, being present and trying to create value is a um, great thing. I mean, there's, there's times where even people that I don't really enjoy their message or want to uh, listen to it, even then, sometimes they'll come up with something that I'm listening to and I'm like, ah, and I'll write it down just because mm-hmm. it jogs the memory or there's a different uh, take on something. Um, it's, it's the nature of the beast. It's not going anywhere. And a lot of people are on it. Uh, a lot of people listen to podcasts. A lot of people listen to that's That's kind of been like my, my new, I shouldn't even say new. It's kind of like just the, the highest level takeaway is like, where do I want all of my time and energy to be spent? And to me, um, you know, writing articles is a, is a great thing for our list. Um, mm-hmm. And we have a, a decent sized list that enjoys getting it. That's where we sell products through. That's where we build trust. I enjoy the writing process. I enjoy putting three articles out a week about training. Um, so that, that stuff's just, um, yeah, you got to find your thing. And, yeah. you know, I, well, I would be and, really, I think Kenny Kane on that show that you're talking about was talking about how his, um, his son was born. And the first thing he did was like grab oh, yeah. his phone so he could put a picture that. on Instagram. And he was like, what am I doing? Like stuff like that. Uh, you know, I only have one, one kid. So, but it's enough to recognize that like, time where you put your time and energy is really important Mm -hmm. and uh and i don't want to be on my phone broadcasting my life when i should be present and playing whatever i'm playing with my kid Mm -hmm. like that's that's very real and the the deeper i get into being a parent the more um the more i just have no no interest like it it i it's impossible. I feel like to say that without feeling, without it sounding very negative, but in a way it's just a super liberating thing of like, I just don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm just done. And then yeah. there's weeks where I like, I think it's funny. I'm being super creative. I can write short little Twitter posts and post them and it's cool. Um, but yeah, for the, for the most part though, I just, you know, 
yo, we're all in quarantine right now. Like 60% of our country or something like that is still locked down in their house. Yet right. if you go on Instagram, it looks like everyone's on vacation. Mm-hmm. That's not real life. Those are, those are photo shoots from before five months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what are we doing? <laughs> you yeah. know, I was, I was <laughs> most blown awkward. away. I was most blown away when you mentioned that episode uh, they, they said, I can't maybe remember exactly what the fact was, but that there's 3 billion people that spend over two hours a day on the, the major platforms. And it's like, that's just crazy. You think about oh. two hours a day and it's like, that's, that's the, the average too. Or maybe it's even like the median where more people are on the, are on the farther side of it. I would guess based on yeah. my experience, but it's, it's just, it's crazy how much time it can soak up. Cause that's literally totally. the, that's literally the, the point of it. It's just like how they, you know, when they talk to Zuckerberg in those, those court hearings or whatever, it's like, yeah, we make money from advertisements and how do you sell more advertisements? You keep people on there longer. That's what it comes yeah. down to. Yeah. And we, there isn't a single time where I talk to a fitness professional and we don't end up talking about how do we use social media to mm-hmm. either sell programs or get people moving better or, you know, how do, how do we, how do we balance education and selling at the same time? And, um, yeah, like we all run businesses. We all sell programs. We all want people to get stronger. We all people want, want to get people leaner, more athletic, like all these, all these things, we all share this and we have this platform that's free for all of us to use it, but nothing's ever just free. There's always a, you're always paying somewhere, somehow for something. Mm -hmm. And it's, with social media, it's, it's very tricky. And what I've noticed is that I, the trade-off for me um, that I've become less and less comfortable with is that I, I, I tend to feel like I'm trading uh, my happiness when I am recognizing that the real happiness comes from me being around family. And, mm-hmm. and social media is not that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the antithesis of that, really. And that's sort of what I thought of in the context of articles and, and blogs and podcasts, too. Whereas most people, it's, it's always so weird to me how someone can become famous, you know, or famous in quotes, just from posting stuff on Instagram, but then that's like all they do. Whereas I tend to respect someone more if they are on Instagram, but they, you know, they're doing something like a blog, a podcast where, you know, they're putting in that, that deep work, so to speak, because yeah. You, you have to have something I think to show for your work. That's where it becomes the most narcissistic where it's just the post about yourself, you know, workouts, whatever it may be. And that's again, where it's like the balance of the selling versus versus the education. Yeah. I think podcasting super cool. Like I don't really know you at all, but we mm-hmm. seem to have pretty good rapport. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That yeah. means there's people in Omaha that I could go hang out with and lift that's weights right. with and have a good time. Like that's yeah podcasting is a, a really cool medium in that we get to educate people. We get to tell stories. It, we're allowed to do it in a very long form. Um, you know, there's plenty of times where I've thought I've been in the, the, the depths of like a two to three hour long podcast with somebody. And I, I'll just think like, these people are so legit. Like mm-hmm. they're two hours deep into this show and they're just crushing it still. Or some people, if you get them out in that like 45 to 60 minute range and they kind of like gets a little soft, we don't kind of like, yeah, it starts to taper. The excitement like lingers a little bit. It just isn't really, doesn't have the traction. And, and those people, it's not that they're bad. They just, they're, they're just on their own journey and they're not mm-hmm. at the, the depth and uh, substance of somebody that's been at this for, however many years and can go deep, deep for, you know, two to three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like one of the, one of the big reasons I like your guys' podcast is because I don't really have any other source that is like more so focused on like the, the sports side, the athleticism, you know, you guys talk to Lane Norton. I like to listen to a lot of people like that to talk about the physique, the body composition, and there's other yeah. people like, I like to try to have like a wide range of the strength, you know, uh, like power. Yeah powerlifting, bodybuilding, all that different sort of stuff. And you guys kind of do tend to touch on all those different areas, but it's a lot, a lot of it's focused on that athleticism and obviously like the CrossFit background too. Yeah. So 
Uh, one other thing I wanted to make sure we got to that, that I've heard you guys talk about a lot is just like the importance of keeping interest in your workouts and like having them be fun. So how does that manifest for you and how does that look for you right now? Because like you've said before, once it kind of becomes on autopilot, like we've talked about, it's less important that you get X, Y, Z detail. And it's more important that you just are yeah. consistent with it over time. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's why CrossFit clicked for me so well. Um, was that it was fun. I got to hang out with my bros. I got to train with super cool people that were working really hard. Um, and, and we got to play a game every day. Like there was a winner, there was a loser, mm -hmm. the people that worked really hard, like you knew why they were winning the people that lost every day, you know, why they were losing. They just, the amount you of work you put into it always showed up. Um, but then I've had to, you know, over time, like readjust what fun means. Like I st I'm going to go to CrossFit today. I still try to go like once a week. Um, I don't really have anything against CrossFit except, or not even except. I don't have anything against CrossFit. It just it is something that I do much less frequently because um, it just doesn't, it, I've been there. I've done that. I still mm -hmm. like to go do it every once in a while, but it just isn't that it's not that exciting to me so you know the thing that I, I you mentioned like the the diesel dad thing that I do in the morning you know all that stuff is like I love training mm -hmm. and I really love that I've been doing it for 24 years and I still can find ways to do it that are super interesting to me and we just put out a program called imam aesthetics um, and it's crushing right now. Like people are super eating it up because it's all 20 to 30 minute EMOM workouts that are built out of this like hypertrophy focused, um, you know, kind of program where we're, yeah. we're doing higher reps, higher load. Um, it's not there, a full Metcon. Is there yeah. offerings for people that you, cause so many people don't have access to a gym right now, like body weight and at home sort of stuff. Yeah, we have, we have those programs as well, um, uh, that we've built out. Um, but the EMOM aesthetics specifically is, uh, Doug and I both started doing it without knowing that each other were doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I really being, so for the first four months of the quarantine, I only had between 90 and 120 minutes to train. And that, that sounds like a lot, but it's a lot, or it's not a lot when you consider the amount of work that you have to do also in that 90 to 120 minutes to like keep the business going, um, to produce all the content that you need to produce to ensure like nothing stops. Um, plus, you know, it's me and my wife and a baby and we didn't have any help for a long time. So I had to like take what is my normal 60 to 90 minute training session and figure out like what's really important to me. And how long do I need to do that? It's like, well, I like getting strong, so I need to lift weights. I like the aesthetic side of things and like doing accessories just to keep joints moving, you know, add some resiliency to joints, um, just build the volume, like uh, everything, basic accessory work. I really like doing all that. Um, and I also like conditioning. Well, in a normal training program, you have strength work, then you have accessories, and then you have conditioning. And I don't have time to do all three of them spread out over 60 minutes because we're in quarantine. I'm in my garage, like the baby's sleeping, the baby wakes up, I'm screwed. And I've got a lot of work to do during nap time. So how do I structure this whole thing so that I can get all the benefits? Like how do I get stronger? How do I stay lean? And, and how do I continue to build athleticism? And at the same time, like present this in a package so that it makes sense and I can structurally create like a, a period is periodized schedule out of it. And how do I do this over a month? What does a week look like? What does a, what does a workout look like? So you look at the movement patterns and now we've got upper body push, upper body pull, hinging, squatting, lunging, and we can take those movement patterns and I'll put exercise to them. Okay. So now if I'm doing a squatting pattern, I can have my focus lift be a squat, my first accessory be a lunge, and then some sort of like hypertrophy type thing for hamstrings and quads. Um, if you wanted to do calves, awesome. But I could take those four main exercises, put them into a 20-minute EMOM, and now I can get all of the benefits up to, say, like 
93%. I'm not mm. getting the like bot professional bodybuilding type mm-hmm. hypertrophy that they're going for, but for a dude that's got 30 minutes to work out because his baby might wake up like, and I've got a business to run. That sounds perfect. Yeah. So remind we started me, doing these. Remind me what EMOM stands for. Every minute on the minute. So we basically oh, okay. take like a, a front squat in, in minute one for a set of eight. Uh, and then in the next, and then see, so basically you take you, it's two 10 minute EMOMs. The first okay. uh, thing, minute one, you go front squat. That's a big lift, focus lift. And then the second minute, you're doing some sort of accessory. So call it a split squat. And the second one, you're taking your second highest level focus lift, call it a lunge, and that's going to be lift one. And then you'll do some sort of quad focused thing to access, to be an accessory for that. So you're getting four good lifts in. You're upping the intensity because you're not really taking a break. You're going kind of like 30 on, 30 off, or 20 on, 40 off. If you really wanted to get like a more conditioning effect, 40 on, 20 off. Um, but you're able to get a large majority of your hypertrophy training done. You're able to get a large majority of your strength training done and your Metcon work done all at the same time in a 20 minute window. And it's a hypertrophy focused program. So we can put an aesthetics name to it and boom, EMOM aesthetics. And now I'm five months into it. I train 20 to 30 minutes a day, unless I'm like today, I'm headed over the CrossFit gym to go play a little, play a little sport called fitness. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's really what the bulk of my training is, but it's super fun because now I've got a new methodology that I get to go explore. Like we kind of created it on our own. Um, it's built specifically for parents and like business owners, people that are super busy. I wouldn't recommend you do it because you probably mm-hmm. have more time. Like if you have an hour to an hour and a half, I actually ran a poll in our members only group. And this was like a big catalyst for me wanting to go all in on this, this idea, asking them how long people stay at the gym or how long do people focus or have like a, a, a block of fitness in their life uh, on a daily basis when they're training. And everybody was like, Oh, about 60 minutes. Oh, about 75 minutes. Like hour to an hour and 15 minutes was about what the, the common answer was. Then I said, well, what if we tack on the entire block? So what's your commute to the gym? Then the training. So 60 to 75 minutes of training. Then you're getting your stuff. Then you're talking to people. Then you get back in your yeah. car. You get back home. Then you have to shower. Then you have to get back into your day. So fitness yeah, like isn't just – Yeah, it doesn't it's – not, it's not the time you're at the gym. It's the time you check out of life, focus on yourself for X amount of time, and then you're able to check back into life. And that's like a two and a half hour long process for almost every single person. So you, they go, well, how long you been working out or how long do you work out for a day? It's not 60 minutes. It's like two and a half hours. If you have a 15 minute commute to the gym, 15 minutes home, plus getting in, getting your locker set up, stretching, getting warmed up. Like it's a two and a half hour long process to just get a workout in. And that's, you know, we, as somebody now that understands what parents go through, what business owners go through, um, parent business owners that are parents, like our lives aren't the same. I'm not the same. I'm not the same as the guy that went to regionals four times. I'm not the same as the guy that, you know, lifted for 60, 90, 120 minutes a day, two sessions a day, running a gym. I'm not that person. So, um, you know, how do, how do I keep it fresh? Like I, I feel like I just created a methodology specifically designed for busy people that want to be strong and lean and athletic and don't necessarily care what their PRs are. They just want to stay strong. And they say, mm-hmm. okay, they don't need to be fitness cover level lean, but they still want to look good. Yeah. And they don't need to be out playing CrossFit, but they still want to be athletic. So how do we combine all that stuff together into something that's you know effective and efficient and that's, that's really where, um, how, how it's super fun because if you can just keep going, you find these new, new ways to package goals to meet specific needs of where you're at in your life mm-hmm. and, and so, find something that like really, really fits. Yeah. And you sort of answered what was going to be my next question, just about like an avatar, a target audience. Cause you talked about your, your EMOM aesthetics blowing up and I'm sure you have some sort of a, 
a grip on like who that target audience is. And it probably is, like you said, the people who you're looking at, business owners, parents, stuff like that. It's because me. It is so it is so geared towards that. So that's, I feel like that's yeah. one of the things you hear over and over again. I like to listen to people like Tim Ferriss, entrepreneurs, stuff like that. They, it seems like they always hammer home you know, the, the importance of like the target audience, know who you're selling to, because you can't go too broad. That's always what we want to do. It seems like you want to sell to everyone. You want to be the perfect fit for everyone. But what, what is more successful oftentimes in my, not necessarily experiences, but just what I've observed is going more specific. Yeah. Uh, it's, I have the diesel dad things like I, um, one day in the, in the near future, I feel like I'm going to run, um, I, I will have united all of the dads that are interested in strength training because, um, you know, as, as like a high level thing, as, as like the highest level of what's important to me, none of that's really changed in the last decade or so. Um, you know, like business, family, fitness, friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, like there, there aren't, you know, I, you could add like dad into the mix instead of family. So if it's like, you know, dad, husband, fitness, business, and you, you just, at, at any point in time, those things remain the most important, but they get shuffled. Mm-hmm. So like before I was a, before I was a dad, really, it was like business, husband, fitness. When I was an athlete only, it was like, fitness, business, <laughs> there was only two things. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then you get married, you find, you find your, your, your spouse and it's amazing. And all of a sudden now there's a new thing that's in the mix that you have to, to navigate and manage and balance um, and make sure that everyone's needs are met and you don't want your fitness, but you know, your whole life really like serves fitness. And especially when you're competing and you're trying to, you know, go, go be great at something. Your whole life has to feed that. Well, fitness is like fourth to me now, like dad, dad's, dad's really important. Um, husband's really important. Uh, business is very important. And then you look at like back squats, you're like, ah, it's not that important. It's very important to me, but on like the scale, it's not that important. And if yeah, it's relatively. really, really important to me and, and it's still number four and my whole life is built out of fitness, like imagine what it is to the guy that's walking down the street that just wants to lose 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want the person that is like shoving fitness down your throat with this like 90 minute long hypertrophy, go get super jacked, like Mm-hmm. those people aren't advertising to 15 him. reps compared to 12 and intricate sort of stuff like that yeah like the, all that stuff doesn't matter nearly as much as showing up and just picking something up and like yeah. learning how to move better um it's kind of like uh, talking about your show again i like i i always i always like hearing lane talk lane norton he just mentioned yeah. like he's like what he's like there's not so much benefit in going and really delving super deep into the science and learning about x y you know biological pathway or how you know x diet works as much as there is and just how can i help people be more compliant because that's really what it's about and again something else you guys have mentioned having on different people that are maybe carnivore diet people or vegan diet people or keto or whatever and or are big fans different types of training again it's just like whatever someone can stick to over not even the course of weeks or months but over a lifetime that's what's gonna be most important it doesn't matter what it is at the end of the day if it's, yeah. if it's some sort of exercise and it hits these high arching principles like you said strength you know doing it appropriately yeah. that sort of stuff yeah i mean what are, what are, what do people like actually want like humans not like celebrity, like fitness celebrity people, but like the people that are just your neighbors. Like you have a podcast about fitness. You're already in the 1%. You already did it. You've, you've taken the next step beyond like, I just want to be in shape. Now you've created a platform in which you're able to invite people on that you want to talk to, to learn as much as you possibly can. So you can be as good as you possibly can at a specific thing. It just happens to be working out. Not many people have fitness podcasts. Not yeah. many people want to take the next step. What they want to do is they want to have a simpler solution to looking better 
losing weight and maybe seeing some abs. And that's yeah. like, that's the, when you look at obesity, if you take all the people and you, you see that, you know, by 2030, I think I saw a stat today. They were t- uh, was talking about like by 20, I think it's Dr. John Rusin that put this up. Um, by 2030, 50% of Americans will be diagnosed as, or basically they're just, they'll be diagnosed as obese. That's an insane number. So like the people that are sitting here arguing about like, I'm going to make you the strongest in the world. I'm going to make, you know, like here's this 90 minute long, you know, workout and you, you have to be, no, let's, why, we, can't we give people like simpler solutions to all of this stuff? Um, you know, paralysis by analysis, right? Yeah. Like we, that's why I, I try as hard as I can to make fitness fun for people um, cause I don't want them. Cause I know like if there's one thing I'm a hundred percent sure of is that if you're not having fun, you won't do it. Mm-hmm. So how do we make it fun so that you want to do it more? Because if it's the most fun thing you're doing, you will be there every day to be around those people that share love and bring mm-hmm. happiness. Um, that's, that's, in the end, like that is the thing. Like, would I take somebody that has a poor squat for the rest of their life, you know, in the gym that never gets better, but, but they still show up and they get a little bit stronger? Or would I just kick that person out and say no? You know, we just interviewed Spencer, uh, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, and he was like, I could sit here and argue with you all you want about being a vegan or doing, uh, you know, whatever diet you want to do. It's like, what I'm really interested in is that people that have obesity lose 10% of their body mass. Like, I don't care how they do it. And the way that they're mm-hmm. going to do that is by eating less. So how do I create some systems and structures or, you know, maybe they never get better. And we were talking to John Berardi about this. What, do, what if they never get better? You still might be the only person in their life that they can talk to about trying to get better. And if you walk out of their life, and they have nobody. So, like, can't we just make fitness and eating more fun, mm. more palatable, more easily approachable? And I think that we've done a great job. Like, obesity is not my target demographic, um, but I think we've done a really good job with this program, the Imam Aesthetics program, um, for, you know, meeting people where they're at because it is really challenging on time and energy um, to do everything that you need to do in a day and then still get up and go train for an hour. Yeah. Cause I it's think not the, an hour. I know it's I think not the an biggest hour. thing. Like the biggest thing about your program is it's a low barrier to entry, you know, where someone like you mentioned a 90 minute, you know, X, Y, Z workout, hypertrophy workout from, Johnny Swole or whatever. It's like yours is yeah. 20, 30 minutes. You make that clear. So it's a low barrier to entry. Someone's like, oh yeah, I could probably do that. And it's like, again, like you say, you know, me having trained for, you know, about 10 years now, it'd be really cool. Like one of my sort of long-term focuses is I'd love to put on like five more pounds of muscle in like the next year. But like you said, my neighbor, the person I cross on the street is probably like, man, I'd really love to lose 10 pounds and keep it off. And they don't care if yeah. they're xyz body composition they just you know they want to fit into their old pants you know and that sort of stuff is what's accessible with the compliance aspect dude you wake up in the morning and you go to the mirror and like flex and you're Mm -hmm. like i could probably lose like one percent body fat and then i'd be able Mm -hmm. to see my abs better and that'd be rad like i have like a vein in my bicep that's fucking dope i really Mm -hmm. dig it it's cool i've been working hard i'm super lean and vascular right now this is great like if you even got like top abs in most people's lives, they would be so stoked. Yeah. Like so stoked. And you know, when I owned my gym and I was putting people into the CrossFit regional and I was just surrounded by freak shows all the time. I was, I lived in a bubble in Pacific beach, California, where like everybody's in ridiculous shape and everybody's like good looking and all of this. That's where the mindset piece gets tough again. Like again with social media. Yeah. And I was like living in it. Like it was, it was, it was my gym. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the real world and you're like, 
everyone's 15 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. That just looks normal. Like that, that, so how do we, how do we actually meet people where they're at? Like, like real people, not 25 year olds that have, uh, I'm using you as an example because you, you live the life. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're not, you're, you're not the big problem. You're the, you're the perfect person solving problems. You're not the mm-hmm. person that's, that's got problems. Your problems are like being more vascular. That's yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a real problem. Mm-hmm. Not, it might be to you, but right. in context, it it's like, like it. yeah, you're like, ah, mm-hmm. what do I have to do? I need, at the I same need time, but at the same time where you kind of reach a little bit outside of your demographic to like these people who don't feel like fitness is accessible. I have the aspiration of like, I'd like to try to reach people that are my age that, yeah, maybe they're working out, but are doing it in like an overall stupid way. Cause I know that I've been there where it's just yeah. like doing a hundred different, you know, I got to shock the muscle. I got to eat low carb. I got to, I want to make this stuff accessible where someone sets it up and like, okay, I could see how I could do something like this for life. That's kind of like totally. my outlook because then you get people that, you know, say when my generation comes to be your age, like is becoming parents is, is in the middle of being parents. They kind of have yeah. their fitness on autopilot and they've, they've dialed it in to where it's highly accessible to just continue to be fit and healthy for a lifetime. That's the yeah, way I, I try to phrase it. Try dude, to I think it. that that, that autopilot thing is real life. Um, you know, I think one of the things that we're trying to solve with this program as well is like relieving the pressure that you have to do so much. Mm-hmm. Like if you can go walk, you know, I put, I put up like a, a, a post the other day of like the, the five things that I do or try to do um, on a daily basis of just like breathing for 10 minutes. Um, I try to walk with my kid for a mile a day, just because if I'm carrying her, that's kind of like loaded carries mm-hmm. and it feels good. Um, I try to get you know, like one of these 20 minute Am- AMRAPs in or EMOMs in. Mm-hmm. Um, I walk barefoot for grounding um, and then tell people that I love them and appreciate them. And I, I feel like those, you know, those little tiny things, it's like the most low hanging fruit for, for overall fitness and health and happiness. Um, and if we could just, get people like the autopilot things really easy. If you're picking up the low hanging fruit all the Mm -hmm. time, like getting into those, like kind of what you're talking about earlier of like, no, 15 is better than 12. It's like, uh, okay. But how many, how many people need to worry about that? Mm -hmm. Like some for sure. Some definitely. Uh, but as a whole, um, and, and the people that we want that I, I really want to tell, talk to is like, people that are carrying that emotional just baggage of like, I have to do so much to be in shape. It's like, yeah. Man, if you make the, you if you really make the barrier that high, they're not going to start just like we said. Before. Yeah. Like you really don't. And I, I, I personally don't feel like I'm the person that they're going to find when they're trying to start their fitness. Right. I just think that there's a lot of people that fall off. Um, and they're looking to get back into it and they need solutions knowing that their life has changed so much, but, they never reinvented themselves as a fitness person post kids mm-hmm. or post business or post busy as hell or post marriage. You know, you, we go through these like giant transitions in our lives and there's no playbook that says like, Oh, by the way, you're going to become a dad one day and you're going to have significantly less time and you're going to sleep less. And it's going to put a, a lot of stress just on your family as a whole. And you have to work out. Mm-hmm. You go, well, how am I going to do that? It already cost me two and a half hours to go to the gym. They go, oh, well, you'll just have to figure that out when you get there. But what yeah. happens? People quit or they, they get so infrequent that they're not getting the benefits out of it. So how do we, how do we give, get solutions to people that can, can really push, move the needle forward? Yeah. And at the same time, they look at it and they go, yeah, I can do that. That's you know, three days a week, four days a week. It's 30 minutes. I got it. Mm-hmm. I, I can do that. And then again, like I'm the ultimate optimist. So I kind of think like, so yeah, you reach these people and help these people get into better shape. Well, they could tell Jim at work or Susan at church or whoever. Totally. It's like the more people that get in shape, it's kind of like looking at the, the fixed pie versus the expanding pie. I think that the more people yeah. that get in shape, it, the easier it becomes accessible for people in different communities and in the, in the in, you know, nation as a people as a whole. Yeah, dude, there's a lot of work to be done um 
in in health mm-hmm. and none of it has to do with medicine it has a lot to do with just getting people moving and it's it's too easy to not do anything like it really is insanely easy to not do it it's how um, it's how things are laid out for us yeah and i mean you never you get your grocery like it, we all know the, the the numerous apps that we that we have in our lives that we can just mm-hmm. hit the button and everything shows up we don't have to go anywhere um but we have to create ways to bring so much value and fun in fitness so that people then want to do fitness more than they want to do nothing right. like literally nothing sitting there and doing nothing um and you know it pains me sometimes i i talk about uh this on the show a lot where like i would lift weights a lot less if every couple days there was like an adult kickball game out in my front yard where like people like really wanted to play or like if there was a, a a big physical a group of people that wanted to do something you know, wiffle ball in the front yard, like that would be my hour of play or my, my hour plus of playing. I would totally do that. One of the coolest parts about having a kid is I just like, I'm always at the park. Mm-hmm. Like I go to the soccer fields, we kick soccer balls all the time. I'm just playing. Yeah. It helps my fitness. It helps do all the stuff, getting vitamin D. Like I, there's a mm-hmm. ton of benefits to it, but like, I'm not, I'm just going out and playing. And because I'm playing and having fun, I'm getting vitamin D. I'm taking my shoes off and touching the grass. You know, I get low level non-exercise th- activity, thermogenesis, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's all these like things that you're getting on top of it. But the truth is like, it's just fun. Icing on the cake. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I would do it if there was no benefit because it's fun and I want to do it. And it's, it's, but if, if you were to go and knock on your neighbor's door and be like, dude, kickball game out in the court mm-hmm. right now. You're like, no, I have like what the hell nothing to about? do. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm going to keep doing nothing. You go kick the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as you set that kickball game up, because people are so out of shape, someone's going to yeah. get hurt for sure. <laughs> Achilles tendon is gone. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to pop one. And then the game's over forever. Um, like there's just a lot of, a lot of that stuff. Like I, I admire people like Dan John so much. Like Dan John's been in the game for so long and when you listen to him talk i don't know if you listen to that show we just did with him but um you know he talks about like tumbling gymnastics like these are things that like used to be a part of physical education when kids were growing up and now they're not and now they're not a part of the curriculum so you can go from zero to 18 years old and graduate high school and have no idea how to do a forward roll So like the problems that we we've created as a society and like where people are at and obesity and all that stuff, it is, it's just picking up steam. And the next generation is going to be significantly more unhealthy. And the one after that is going to be even more unhealthy. It's not going away until there's these like big system changes and you're fighting an uphill battle because everybody lacks funding. Everybody, the teachers don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. it's not they don't get paid enough they don't care and it's 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 a really tricky thing so there's no education there's no as as literal as the term is there is no physical education on yeah. how to keep your body healthy and um i think we're in the middle of the beginning of it right now mm-hmm. yeah like, i agree i this, think that there should be that and other things that you just don't get taught in school like financial education, just totally. like how to, how to handle your mental well-being because there's such a big emphasis on depression and anxiety these days. It really, it all just gets overlooked for things that are more antiquated. And I could talk yeah. about this stuff all day, but uh, I got to wrap soon. So hopefully we can do this again sometime. It was a lot of fun. Brad, man, you're awesome. I appreciate it. I got friends in Omaha now. Sweet. Yeah. If you're ever, if you're ever uh, in Omaha, let me know and we'll go, we'll go work out. I love it, dude. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for the show. I always love listening. And uh, like I said, I hope to have you on again sometime. I'll let you know when this goes live. Agreed, dude. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Jake again. If this podcast provided you any value, 
I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it would really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.